Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. Good morning, everyone. Close contacts, those are words that have become kind of familiar to us in the past year especially. And when we think of our close contacts, they've been kind of forced upon us a little bit. And uh, maybe we're even tired of them at this point, and we want to get rid of them a little bit. Um, but they're the people that know us best, uh, they know, and we know them best. And uh, because of that, sometimes we, we become a little familiar with them, so we may not even realize the way that we treat them all the time. It's like, well, this is the way that I always treat them, and they're okay with that. And sometimes we may even take advantage of them without necessarily even realizing it. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, a passage which, as I read it, I'm like, I think this is talking about our close contacts. And so I've entitled Living with Your Close Contacts. And it's important that we look at what Paul is saying about living with those who are closest to us um, in the context of this new humanity that we've been talking about as we've been talking through the book of Ephesians. And as we talk about this today, we're going to see how we can live better with our close contacts as we, um, as we learn to submit to them and love them the way that Christ taught us to do that. And so this section of scripture begins in Ephesians 5, verse 21, and continues on to chapter 6, verse 9. And the passage right before it is telling us how to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and that verse starts with, and further. And so when, whenever you see an and at the beginning of a verse, it kind of indicates that it's continuing from the previous verse. And so the previous few verses are talking about ways that we can live by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so it gives us some different things about worshiping and communicating and all that. And then it says, and submit. And, um, and so I think that this indicates that all of this can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this has been kind of a theme for us as we've been talking through Ephesians. And in, in week one, we talked about how we're chosen by God to become part of his family, to be adopted by him. And, and this, uh, he had this in mind before time began. And, uh, and we have this inheritance that's given to us that we have to look forward to, uh, that's guaranteed to us by the Holy Spirit. And then last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about um, living with people who are different than us. And we talked about this, uh, that we're all equal, and there shouldn't be this disunity between us. And then we, we mentioned how um, this is done again uh, by, because of what Christ has done in our lives, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And, um, and that we can do these things. Um, sorry, I'm, uh, I've messed up my notes here. <laughs> and then last week, we, um, we talked about um, living as people who are uh, aligned, aligning our character with that of Christ. And so we talked about living as, as children of light rather than in darkness. Remember we talked about, uh, I had the coats on, and we talked about putting off those old things, those things that were part of our nature before we knew Christ, and, and putting on these new characteristics that Christ gave us. And, um, and so in all of these things, we, we talked about doing these things in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. If you have any questions today about the message, you can feel free to put them in the YouTube chat and somebody will forward them on. Um, we're going to look at this verse, Ephesians 5, verse 21. And, and it says, and farther, 
Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when we think of this reverence for Christ, we may have also heard that word used as um, the fear of the Lord. And, um, and so when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being afraid of God. And because God is a God of love, and, um, but he's not somebody, somebody that we should fear. But we need to have this reverence of him. We need to have, uh, stand in awe of all that he's done. And so Jesus, as I think of all that you've done for me, I stand in awe of you. I reverence you. I respect you in all that I do. The verse also tells us to submit to one another. And that means that it's not something that's individualistic or, or something that we can lord over other people, but it's something that's lived out by all of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this one another means that it's a mutual submission to each other. And as we look at what Paul is saying here, uh, and, and he's talking to what were considered foundational relationships at that time. You know, he's talking to husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and slaves. And so as he's talking to these foundational relationships, as I read that, I like, that's our close contacts. That's what we, we know as close contacts after being in isolation for, almost, for over a year now. <laughs> and so as we look at those who are closest to us, we need to keep in mind this, commit, this uh, command that Paul says that we need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so this word submission, it's often been misunderstood. And we're first going to look at what biblical submission is, and then we're going to take a look at how that applies to different relationships in our lives. The verb submit in the context is, is looking to the needs and interests of others above that of our own. It's, um, it's a command, and it's not optional for us to submit to one another. And it's how we live well with people who are our close contacts, by submitting to one another out of reverent awe for God. And so as we look at these relationships, there's some truths that all of us can apply. And uh, the first one is for marriage. So as I thought about this one, I thought, well, I'm single. And I, I'm not married and I don't have kids, so I don't even know how these first two relationships, how can I talk about them? And, uh, and then as I read a little closer, I realized there's a message for the church here. It's not just about husbands and wives, and it's not just about parents and children, but it's for all of us. And, and then I was reminded as well by somebody that uh, Paul, who wrote the letter, he wasn't married, and he didn't have kids either. So let's dig into this. Marriage in the first century was for the purpose of maintaining bloodlines and, and family status. And it wasn't considered for love very often. And often women were probably uh, married at about age 14, it would seem. So over the course of their lives, they may have had multiple marriages. They may have, um, their husbands may have died because they were older, or they may have decided that they didn't need them anymore, so they divorced them. And that was the way the culture of the time was. Women received less education than men, and um, there were some who had some means, so they were able to gain an education for themselves. But for the most part, it seemed that women uh, lived at home and, and took care of the household, and men were involved in politics and civil affairs and all those things outside the home. There were some wealthy women, and, and they decided to go against culture, and, um, and they decided to not take on the status of their husbands when they got married, but they decided to keep their own birth status. And so they were kind of a little more free. 
And so because of that, they, um, they um, continued on with... Um, They took on the, they, some of them took on the role of, of temple priests, and, and then there were other women of lesser means who tried to, um, they were using sex for services. And in that way, they were trying to gain control over men. So you have these women and men trying to gain control of each other, and, and there's, they're trying to dominate one another. So here's Paul talking about submission in a culture where people were trying to dominate each other. Women were seen as inferior in their rights as compared to men. So when Paul writes the letter and speaks of equality and, and, um, and unity among people, including the genders, he speaks of putting the needs of others above yourself, as we talked about in other weeks, and using humbleness, gentleness, patience, and love to rule our relationships. And that would have been very countercultural as well. Paul was writing about... Submission to a group of people, as I just said, who, who were living to dominate one another. And so as, we, as Paul is talking to husbands and wives, we also see how all of us, as the church, can live in this community of Christ followers together. And, um, and so Paul is comparing the relationship of the husband and wife with that of Christ and his church. So Christ is listed as, it says he's the head of the church. He's over all, and this includes all of us as followers of Christ. As Lord of our lives, his desire is that we would be brought into relationship with him. So he provided this plan of rescue for us, and he, um, he, he welcomes us as part of his family. And, um, and so through his death and resurrection, he provided a way for us to be brought back into relationship with us, and so that he would give us a whole new, better way of life that we could live. And in doing this, he made us holy and clean. And so that would have meant something for the Jewish people in particular at that time, because especially if you've read through different things in the Old Testament and in the New as well, you've seen that people weren't able to be part of something because they weren't clean. So they had to go through all these rituals of cleansing and, and making themselves clean again. And so when Paul says that God wants to make us holy and clean, that means that he's providing that for us. He's, he's, we don't have to go through any rituals, and we don't have to do all these things to come to Christ. He, he's making us holy and clean, and he's providing a way for us to belong in the family of God. And he also wants us to present us to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And, and we see this not only, he sees us as we live not only now, but he sees how we're going to become. And... Um, and I'm so glad that he doesn't just see my brokenness and, and different things that are going on in my life right now, but he sees what I will become. The more that I spend time with him and, and the more that I get to know him and the more of these characteristics of Christ that I take on in my life, the more that uh, he sees who I will become in the future. And he cares for us. He demonstrated this with his self-sacrificial love. He submitted himself to God's plan to bring us close to himself. And so then, as the church, as, the, as followers of Christ, we submit to this headship of Christ. As Christ is over our lives, showing his self-sacrificial love, giving of himself for us, then we can't help but respond with a vow of commitment to him. And so our duty as the body of Christ and as the bride of Christ is to respect him and to respond to his love for us. 
I love what it says in Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love for us is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And so as we read these verses and we, we hear of the love that God has for us and how he gave himself in a self-sacrificial way and he cares for us and he nourishes us and, and, and the depth of his love, as humans, we can't even take it all in. <laughs> but, but because of it, something just wells up within us and, and we just want to respond and say, thank you, Jesus. We want to respond and say, God, we love you. We adore you. We praise you. And God, we give our lives to you. We submit to you. And God, would you continue to use us, and would you continue to help us, Lord, to share this with other people? And so how, as we see this love expressed through marriage and, and in all of Scripture, we, we, I kind of see it as uh, marriage is almost bookended. It bookends the Bible. We see a marriage in Genesis. We see a marriage in, in Revelation. And um, Ephesians 5, verse 31, that's quoted in this passage is quoted actually from Genesis, and it says, uh, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So Paul here is, is pointing us to Christ and the church as, as this one flesh relationship joined together with him. And Paul is comparing marriage to Christ's relationship with the church which is of unity and harmony. That's the thing that characterizes this relationship. And as a result of the death and resurrection of Christ, we're invited to join Christ in what is to be an inseparable and inclusive relation, and exclusive relationship. And as we, we live out our lives as followers of Christ, we also know that Christ promised to return. And so we, um, we're at this place in our lives where we see all that God's done for us, and through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and we're so grateful and we're so thankful and we're, we're, we're following him and we've chosen to become part of his family. But we're living in this place where we also know that there's a future ahead for us. And so what we're experiencing here on this life on earth is just a little glimpse of what we're going to see when we reach heaven. And so, so here we are. And, and so we just talked about the first marriage, but then there's the anticipation of this this marriage supper of the Lamb that Revelation talks to us about, and um, where there's going to be ultimate victory over sin and death, and, and there's going to be eternal fellowship with God. And for those of us who've accepted this offer of adoption into God's family, it's what we have to look forward to. Isn't that awesome? God, we want to thank you for that. Throughout the generations, headship and submission have been misunderstood, and some people think that it means that the husband has all authority over the wife and she has no say and, and he's just kind of lording over her and wagging his finger at her and she's cowering in fear. But that's not, I think that that definition is taken from culture more than it is from what God's word is saying. And even today we sometimes misunderstand that. And, and what God is, is actually saying is that if the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church, that's a selfless love. Christ, Christ uh, 
did that example for us when he gave his life. That's self-sacrifice. So not to, the husband is not to exalt himself, but to elevate and not diminish the wife. So to elevate her up. And so to follow the example of Christ who gave his life for his community of Christ followers, that means that the husband has to live a life of self-sacrifice too. One of nourishing and caring for her, putting her needs above himself. And then, as the husband does these things, as the husband loves the wife, then she responds to that. And she responds in, uh, to his headship in submission. And as the husband follows this example, she receives the love of her husband and voluntarily responds with a mutual commitment and respect to her husband because of this trust that's been built between them. And so as we continually look to the Lord and the example that he provides, we learn how to best live with those who are closest to us. So to live in God's family means to follow Christ and display mutual love and submission to our close contacts. The second example that Paul uses is parents and children. In Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4, it says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, we're looking at this relationship among people who are part of this new humanity as followers of Christ. And that includes children. In, in that day, back then, children weren't even hardly seen. They didn't have rights. Uh, they weren't, um, what they had to say didn't take any effect on, on anybody. So I think of how Jesus saw children, though. And in Mark 10, it tells us that, that Jesus called the children to come to him. He wanted them to be close to him, and he wanted to know them. And that's, that's the love of our father. And uh, the people around him, they couldn't understand. God, like, these children, they mean nothing in our society. Why would you want them to come to them? The father wants us to come to him as children. And as we look at this relationship between children and their parents, there's some truths that can apply to all of us, I think. When kids are young, they may see their parents as an authority figure in the same way that they see God as an authority figure in their lives. And Paul is telling children to obey their parents or listen to them. And an important thing is that we're, as we're living this life, learning from God, uh, surrendering to him, we're all imperfect people, and we all make mistakes, and we all do things that aren't, aren't right. And so that includes children too. And so what Paul is saying here is that um, that children need to, to obey their parents and to respect them. And he reinforces this as he uses a quote from the Ten Commandments for children to honor their parents. To, to honor them is like having a genuine inner respect for them. And so if, if children obey and honor their parents, then a community of Christ followers is created that's more God-honoring in general. And, uh, and we grow in that. And so this is an example of how we should live in relationship with our Heavenly Father, loving and honoring Him. And as we live this way, then this trust and this relationship grow stronger. And then Paul guides parents in how they should interact with their kids and how they should live with them, as, again, in this community of Christ followers. And if, if children are expected to love and honor and respect 
parents, then parents need to live up to this higher standard and, and to, um, to accept their obedience. And he's pointing especially to fathers here, it seems. He actually says fathers. Now, it could mean mothers, but it seems like he's pointing specifically to fathers and tells them not to provoke their children to anger by the way that they treat them. And, and as I just mentioned, you know, we're all living this life and we're all trying to obey in the best way that we can. And sometimes we, we may fail a little bit in that, especially kids. And, um, and so what Paul is saying here is, is don't provoke them because of these things that you know about them and, and you know that the way that they may disobey. Don't provoke them in that. Don't, don't cause them to anger. Last week we talked about anger and how if we let it fester, then it kind of grows into something more than we ever thought it would be. So, so parents, don't, don't provoke your children to this point of sinning because of this anger that's welling up within them. So instead, Paul is telling us to, um, to provide and to care for kids, to nourish them and to teach them, and train them and discipline them in a God-honoring way. And if we think about discipline, sometimes that sounds like such a negative thing. But when we think about it uh, in, in God's context, it's, God does it with such love. And everything, the reason that he disciplines is because he loves us. He loves his children. And so we discipline our kids because we love them and we want them to be better humans. If we neglect discipline, how would they ever know what behavior they need to correct? So that means that you should just yell at your kids, right? Just yell at them and, and scream at them and, and all that. No. <laughs> I remember some friends of mine talking about, we were kind of reminiscing, and one of my friends is different cultural background. They used to get a, a slipper thrown at them or, or whacked with a slipper. And, and then, you know, some other of us may have, have heard of a, uh, a belt. And so um, we don't practice those things today. That's not culturally acceptable in our society today. But we... Um, we discipline them by teaching them and training them how to live better through their mistakes. And I think there's a message here for all of us. As life continues to go on and parents continue to have children, we need to remember that they too need to hear this message of God's love. And, um, and this, re this responsibility to train kids up to know and to love the Lord and, and to fear him in that sense of reverence, um, I think that while it rests primarily on parents, I think we all have this responsibility to help the next generation know God so that they will become people who will know him and love him and, and serve him and give to others and give of themselves and, and tell other people about him as well. And, and again, this is not something that we take on by ourselves. This is something that we can only do through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because God knows that that kids and parents and, and different relationships in life, we kind of get on each other's nerves sometimes. And, uh, and only with the love of our Heavenly Father sometimes can we, can we help each other grow through all of this. I think there's an, a beautiful picture of how our Heavenly Father sees us in all this. He loves us and cares for us unconditionally. He doesn't provoke us to anger. Sometimes he has to discipline us because, like we've talked about, we, we sometimes tend to go to our ways that we had before we came to know him, and we, we tend to put on some of those things that we shouldn't. And then, but he gently reminds us, and he disciplines us in those things, that we need to take off those things, and we need to put on these characteristics of Christ. We need to draw closer to him. 
and he teaches us how to stay on track. And he's provided his word for us in this. And, and we can read his word and know these truths from his word and let them speak to us. And, and as we, we stop and listen to what he's saying, he, he speaks to us individually to show us what it is that we need to do in our lives. So to live well in God's family means to follow Christ in displaying mutual love and submission to our close contacts. This next group we're going to talk about is slaves and masters. Ephesians 6, verses 5 to 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that God will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. As we read this, you may be wondering, why are we even talking about slavery? And why in the world did Paul even include this here? Shouldn't he just have abolished slavery and, or said that it should be abolished? And so as I did some reading into this, um, uh, scholars would say that Paul... Uh, didn't come right out and say that we should abolish slavery because slaves were such an important part of society. It actually, they actually supported the infrastructure of society. And so they were responsibility, responsible for transporting things. You know, they didn't have vehicles and things back then the way we do now. So slaves often had to transport products and they did things like caring for kids and they built things and they did all these things to help society work. So for Paul to suggest that slave should be abolished, his message, whatever he said next, would not have been heard. And so what he, uh, instead what he decided to say was that, that we need to have this equality between slaves and masters. And he, he calls everybody to this higher standard. And over time, actually, the church played a big part in causing slaves and masters to see each other as equal. And, and it kind of made it seem a little hard to maintain slavery when everybody's brothers and sisters in Christ. And so over time, um, masters actually began to pay people to do work for them instead. And I think that there's something that can be learned here. So, you know, we, we look at, sometimes we often look at what the end goal is, and we, and we want to go there right away. And I think we can follow the example of Paul in this, that rather than trying to get there right away, we need to look at what's in between point A and point B. And, and is it going to cause a, a society to fall apart? Is it something that's go, it's going to destroy the infrastructure? Is it something that's going to cause bad attitudes and cause even more disunity than there already is? And so as we, as we attempt to do these things and maybe change things in our society that we know that's wrong, I think Paul, as from the example that Paul gives, I think we can also look at what, what's the root cause here. And so for the people in that day, the root cause was this disunity. And so Paul is saying, no, we have to see each other as equal. And so in all of us for our lives, whatever it is that this situation might be, whether it might be something in your relationships that you have with people, and, and you see how they should be, <laughs> 
and you say, see the way that you should be operating in this relationship. But maybe there's some division there, and there's something that the other people needs to, the other person needs to grow and work on. And so don't don't just um, allow them to, don't just allow this relationship to get worse because you need to get to point B. Talk to God about it and find out what is it that I can do. What what are some steps that I can take to get to the root of all this? And maybe there's a different way of going about this than what I had initially thought. And sometimes that takes time. And so we've, earlier in this message series, we talked about we need patience. And so even with our relationships, we, we need patience, and we need God's strength to help us through these situations. So Paul is telling slaves to obey their earthly masters with respect and reverence. They were to serve their masters respecting them in the same way that they respect Christ. So that takes it to a whole new level. Serving and obeying and respecting someone who is over you in the way that you do Christ. And Paul gives some guidance here. There's three things that he says. He says, try to please them even when they're not watching you. (laughs) It's easy to to not do something when nobody's watching, right? It's easy to, ah, I don't need to do that. And then he also says, work with enthusiasm as if you were working for the Lord and not people. The third thing he says is, do the will of God with all your heart. And so I think for some of us, your mind has probably already went there. The most obvious application for this might be your work. And and many of us are employed, so there's the employer-employee relationship. And and some of us may be in working relationships where it's not uh, good for us, we don't feel that this is the place we should be, and we may have even said, I hate my work. I've been there before, but I was also reminded that um, what we do now affects us for the future, and, and, and the way that we live and work in this situation is something that will, will be able to change us, and if we, if we let things go too much right now, then how is that going to help us in the future, and how is that going to help the way the people around us see us? And so uh, it talks here about uh, a letting... Uh, every, in everything that you do, do it for the Lord. And, and that changes things. So whatever I do, God, I want you to be uh, Lord in, in my life, and I want you to reign, and that you would be seen in all that I do. And so even in our work relationships, if we, if we think this way, employee-employee relationships, employee, and then employee-employee relationships would be better. Um, productivity would increase, and, and the whole situation would just work better. And Paul also talks to masters. They're not off the hook here. <laughs> he says that masters are called to the same standard. So he's, there's this equality here among slaves and masters. So if masters are supposed to act in the same way to slaves as slaves are to them, then that means that masters are to respect their slaves also and want the best for them. And so that's what this whole topic of submission is about, about building each other up, about finding this equality in all of us that God already sees without these lines of division between us. And Paul tells masters to remember that you both have the same Father in heaven, and he has no favorites. We all come to Christ, we're all level, we're we're all the same before him. And maybe you don't work, and, and as I've been talking about this, you're not sure exactly how to apply all this. I think what we've said here goes for a lot of relationships in our lives. And we need to remember that when we come to Christ and his family, we all come before him as equal. Whether we're slave, master, children, parents, 
husband, wife, whatever relationship it is in our lives, we all come to him in the same way. He plays no favorites. And in all that we do, we work together to, to maintain these relationships before him. And as those of us in God's family live that way, those who have not yet become followers of Christ won't be able to help but notice. Why is it that these people can live that way? And why can they look, overlook the faults of other people and accept them for who they are? And, and I think as we begin to do that, you know, sometimes we think that we can't change things. But um, with God's help, and it's as we talked about it before, through the help of the Holy Spirit, he can help us to change even our little part of the world. And who knows what that will do uh, and, and how far that will go. So to live well in God's family means to follow Christ in displaying mutual love and submission with our close contacts. As I've been talking today, maybe you haven't decided to become a follower of Christ. And uh, maybe this is something that it's piqued an interest in you today. And uh, you haven't submitted to his authority in your life. And today you want to do that. God has provided a plan of rescue for you. And this it includes all of us. And that includes you. And so you can uh, decide to accept Christ. And you can decide to follow him today. And... Um, and so I'm going to pray a prayer in a few moments. And, uh, and I, if you want to pray this prayer along with me, if you want to decide, I want to follow Jesus. And it's not just to follow him now, but he provides this better way of life that you'll have going forward. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you want to pray along with me to accept Christ, you can do that. God, I thank you that you've provided a way of rescue for me so I can live knowing you and walking in a way that models your character. Today, I surrender my life to you. I surrender to your authority in my life. And knowing that you want the best for me, help me to live with those around me as I follow you. Thank you. Amen. If you decided to follow Jesus today, we'd love to know about that. And uh, you can let us know by going to crosslands.live, click on the Follow Jesus button, and you can provide us with your contact information so that we can get back to you with some more information about our church if, you, if you're looking for a church to attend, and, and just some things that you can do to be able to follow God and to know more about him. We don't have any text messages. So what do we all do today? Have we misunderstood submission and in the process treated others in ways that are outside of God's plan for us and them? Or do we look at people who are equally chosen by God and realize that we're all imperfect beings who are striving to become all that he wants us to be? We're in this process of becoming, and we won't, it won't fully be known until we see him. So as we ponder our close contacts, Paul's given us some things to think about today. And um, it's an example of how we're seen by our Heavenly Father. And, and, sometimes, and you know, as we... As we respond to him and his love for us, then that helps us to be able to know how to respond to other people as well. To live well in God's family means to display love and mutual love and submission to our close contacts. And so there's some things that we can do. I think the first thing we need to do is consider how God loves you. And you know what, maybe you don't, even, maybe you don't feel loved by God. Today, I'd encourage you to take a few moments and just 
just sit with him and, and let him reveal his love to you. You know, we just read about, and you can read that verse again, about the height and the depth and the width of his love and how it's just so amazing. And that's for you too. And you can believe me when I say that because you're just as important as anybody else. And he loves you and he wants you to be part of his family. He wants you to love those around you in the same way that he loves you. And so today, let's, let's accept his love for us. Let's let him love on us so that we'll know how to love other people in return. I think we can also pray about, uh, we can pray for our close contacts. And, uh, and you know, especially nowadays, some of us may be really struggling and, and some of our close contacts, they need prayer. And so I'd ask you to pray for them. Ask God what it is that they need or, or ask them what they need prayer for. And I think we just need to pray about, about how we interact with our close contacts in general. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes these are the people that we take it for granted the way we act around them. And, and sometimes we may take advantage of them without even realizing because of the familiarity that's been developed between us. And um, so let's talk to God about that. Let's, let's talk to him about how we've been interacting with each other and ask him, is there something that I need to change in me so that I can make this relationship work better? And then why not talk to each other about submission, about what we've talked about today? Submit into one another out of reverend awe for God. Do we do this? Is there something we can do better? So let's take all these things today and bring them before our Father and we're going to have some music playing on the screen afterwards. Why don't you just take some time before you go on with the rest of your day to just pray about all these things with God, to pray with the people who are around you today about all these things. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful for your love for us. And God, we're just in awe and amazed by how much you love us. And God, we don't even deserve it many times. But God, before time began, Lord, you decided that you wanted us to be part of your family. And God, I'm so grateful that you've chosen us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And God, today as a result of that, we submit to you and your, your lordship and your headship in our lives. And, and God, we give our lives to you. We surrender to you and we want to be used by you. We want to tell other people about you and what you've done in our lives. And so today, Jesus, we, we come, Lord, and, and we give our, our lives to you. And Jesus, we pray for those who are closest to us. God, forgive us if we've treated them wrongly. Forgive us, Lord, and, and help us to know how to, to live well with each other. God, as we have this mutual love and submission for each other, God, the example that you've provided, and, and God, the way we, that we would want you to, to treat us, oh God. God, remind us of these things today. So God, we ask that you would go with us through this day, through this week, and in the days ahead, Lord, that this is not something that we would forget, but God, as we're living together as a family of Christ, that we would portray these characteristics so that the world would see, so that the world would know that there's something different, Lord. And that, God, you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. Thank you, O oh God. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.